Hello everybody and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows cancelled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed. And I'm Andy. Yeah, Andy's back for the 50th episode. Whoa, congratulations, Edward. Do you see this beautiful gift I've brought with me today? Yeah, it's it's wrapped up very nice. Hold on, let me uh let me unwrap it. I'm so excited for my friend to open this gift and see the beautiful prize I've given him. Oh, oh this is a tough one to unwrap. Yep. I wrapped it in duct tape because I wanted it to be safe. Oh, oh Andy. Yeah. You should have po- you should have po- poked holes for this hamster. Well, I wanted to make sure it was safe. I, 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 you know, I, I know hamsters traditionally live in the in the spherical shape, so I decided to make a sphere of duct tape so that the the hamster was preserved but also safe. Well, I mean, he is preserved in the sense that you mummified this hamster. Well, I can assure you that was not intentional and. I can return the hamster if that is the case. Well, I mean, I I feel like PetSmart would probably have to take it back. I mean, yeah, I have the receipt. We have, you know, a clearly, uh, you know, defunctional hamster. So I assume we can return it for full price. Yeah, that's kind of how this works. And scene. Don't add us, PETA. That was fake. We didn't kill a hamster. Yep. Don't follow me on Instagram. You won't find me. And you won't find the hamster that he taped up. Mm -hmm. Wink. Winky, winky. (laughs) So uh, I just want to get this out of the way before we get into the show. Um, So it's the first episode since July. Uh, The show kind of went on an unannounced hiatus yet again. Because wouldn't be unaired if we didn't do that every once in a while. If we weren't unaired. Ooh. Ooh. But yeah, so now that the show's back, um, we're going to go back to our original, original bi-weekly schedule every other Thursday. Just because my work schedule is very weird and makes it difficult to record this show. Um and my and also, work schedule... Oh, sorry, Ed. I, I have to make this public announcement. Uh, if anyone is curious, my work schedule is really great. So, um, yeah. So, the show went on hiatus. Um, unfortunately, my grandmother, uh, back in July, started having some really bad health issues. And and uh, she did just pass recently. And it sucks, but... She was one of the people that kind of encouraged me to, you know, follow my dreams, go into media production for college. And I figured it'd be kind of a disservice to just not go back to doing any kind of media production stuff. Uh, So that's kind of one of the primary reasons that it's getting back into it now. Uh, But like I said, for the next well, for the time being, it's going to be bi-weekly, every other Thursday. And, yeah, hopefully we get some good episodes. It's um, so it's so hard, like, losing someone close to you, especially when they support you. Like, it, it sucks. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that recently. Like, it's so... 
I, I'm really proud of you for coming back to the show. Like, I think it, it's really great that you're back because you do you do have a, like a listener base, and it's like really great. And I'm proud of you, Ed, for coming back here. I I very much appreciate it. Not gonna lie, I actually have been tearing up for the past minute. <laughs> I yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, it's difficult coming back to something where like people are going to listen to you and like listen to your like opinions and your ideas and and like people have related with you on a level and it's always hard coming back to something like that because you, there's such an expectation to be this like entertaining personality but you know stuff happens in life and you know it's just real and i think you know going on a hiatus was the most appropriate thing because you know that's just life yeah um hopefully i don't let anybody down hopefully it's you know back to the quality or lack of quality they expect (laughs) (laughs) no Um, no no (laughs) i i think i think it's great that we're back and uh yeah, I think it's just like really great that you're continuing with the show. Uh, I am excited. I am too. Alrighty. So uh, this week we covered a show that Andy switched at the very last second. Um, we were originally going to cover a show called Bull, not the uh, Mark Weatherly or whatever his name is, Michael Weatherly show on CBS, but it was actually a stock market related show. Starring Stanley Tucci, <laughs> uh, very much in the spirit of of Unaired, because we, of course, have the Tucci's Lutes. But uh, that show proved to be, A, 42 minutes long, and B, was just not an easy watch. So, very last second, we switched to The Nuthouse, a show that aired on NBC for five episodes, from September to October 1989. Um, Andy, you didn't uh, actually look into this before you picked it. You just saw the name and clicked it, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, Nut Shack. So I was just really excited to get into it, you know? Yeah, uh, you got to get that nut. Yeah. Like a squirrel. Yeah. got to get that nut. <laughs> you know, I was, just, I was just excited about that, about the nut. Yeah, you um, you busted this nut out of its uh hiding place. So, <laughs> and, and then, well, to be fair, Ed, you also kind of hyped it up. Yeah, because um, as soon as we started watching it, I opened up the Wikipedia page, and immediately saw this show was created by Mel Brooks, and also has Cloris Leachman in it. Yeah. And that was very enticing for us. It was definitely a high expectation. I was so into it. <laughs> so <laughs> this this show we found on Daily Motion, it's presented <laughs> as whoa, it was presented whoa, 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 on hey, TV. We had tapes. Oh yeah, we, we dug out the tapes. We or went at least to uh I had a tape. We each individually went to a Goodwill and a Savers, respectively, and uh, we just asked, we went to the back. Are you name dropping Savers? Listen, man, I shop at Savers. (laughs) I don't actually. I used to when I went to buy VHSs because 
I watch a lot of VHSs. I even have a fucking VHS tattoo, so. Don't you have a, uh, you have laser discs, don't you? I do have a laser disc player and laser discs. What, what do you have on Laserdisc again? Sorry, this is a total digression, but I'm just curious. Um, I have the uh, original Star Wars trilogy prior to the special editions. Wow. And that is allegedly the highest quality you can get on physical media prior to all those weird CGI editions. Like Han stepping through Jabba's tail. <laughs> it, did you get that from Savers? No, I bought that on eBay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's weird, though, because you have to flip the disc every 15 minutes. <laughs> but this is off topic. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to do that with this show, too, though. Technically, yeah, because, um, so funny story. <laughs> when we clicked this, it was a 20-minute long video, so my dumb, dumb brain just assumed, oh, 20 minutes, that's close to what a TV episode airs for. Maybe it was a special pilot. With extra commercials. You know, it's Mel Brooks. They're trying to cash in on that. Yeah, you never know. And it ends very weirdly. And then there's about three minutes of commercials, and then the video ends. Well, to be fair, though, it kind of made sense. It did. It felt like it could have been the end of a pilot. I kind of wish it was, because when it continued, I hated it. Yeah, it got weird in the second half. I absolutely hated everything after that. We spent a solid, like, three minutes trying to figure out if that was actually how it ended. And uh, then we found out there's actually a part two. Yeah, um, but in the process, we also found out that uh, Bill Bixby directed an episode. Yeah, Bill Bixby, the actor who, who played Bruce Banner in The Incredible Hulk, directed an episode of this show. I, and, and what's crazy to me is... He didn't only direct an episode, but he directed it in between directing two TV movies for the Hulk. So, like, this dude went out of his way <laughs> to do this. <laughs> he, he was probably, like, hyped. He was so excited to get on this project. And like you said, he didn't have to do this. He was uh, rolling in that green money, that green Hulk money. Oh, yeah, he... He was, you know, living inside of Lou Ferrigno at this time. He was renting out space inside of that man's body. I think it was the left peck. I think so, too. And I think in the right peck, Patton Oswalt was gestating. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been about the time. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's where King of Queens was first pitched. That makes a lot of sense. That's why Lou Ferrigno was on it. <laughs> Do you think maybe they paid him in um that role because they were renting out and they were just like, hey, we don't have any money, but we got this role for you? <laughs> yes, I, I, I really think King of Queens has been a curse placed on Lou Ferrigno <laughs> that he's been living through until, you know, as of 15 years ago. So this show... <laughs> Yeah, let's get back here. <laughs> so this show is yet another hotel show that we're covering. Uh, surprisingly, a lot of sitcoms take place in hotels. Can I tell you uh, the last one we did with Tim Curry? Like, I've met a couple people who I've described the show to and they're like, oh, yeah, I absolutely remember that. 
really people watched over the top but like other people are like i have no idea what you're talking about and they get like uncomfortable about it (laughs) people are just uncomfortable with change well (laughs) it was on cbs wasn't it i believe so and like i've I, i i don't know why i mentioned this but i'm like oh it was on cbs as if that would trigger somebody's memory but every time i bring that up some people have just been like oh what's wrong with cbs I, there's some combination there ed i, I don't know they like it, when you when you get over the top and you mix it with cbs it's just a, a bad mix you know what thanks a lot big bang theory you've tainted the good name of cbs <laughs> yeah hey can we bring over the top to netflix already yeah, with Bob and David, more like with Tim Curry in a wheelchair and also Bob and David. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, more like Brooklyn over over the, the nine top. Huh? <laughs> Are you ready for, for that, baby? <laughs> so like I mentioned before, this show aired for five episodes. Um, they filmed ten episodes, so five went unaired. Um, it was a production of Mel Brooks and Alan Spencer who Andy looked up, turns out he did absolutely nothing but this pilot. I mean, he did a few things, to be fair, but nothing of note. Right. So, this show starts off... Um, Well, first off, before we got into the show, we got this weird kind of like title sequence type thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kind of showing okay. clips from the show. Yeah, th- this really threw me off. N- now I'm remembering why I don't recall the beginning because there really was no beginning (laughs) it was like a fever dream that you wake up from and it turns out (laughs) oh no it was real so it's basically just a combination of clips like somebody trying to get off the elevator but it won't stop uh some lady trapped in a phone booth and there were were two beginnings yeah there were two theme songs basically (laughs) because after this whole compilation of clips it goes to a commercial, then it comes back to an animated, like, it looked like the nanny, like the theme song for the nanny, that type of animation. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of scrolling through the cast. Only for, like, a minute. The The animation was not prominent in that intro. It was only, like, caricatures of people. <laughs> right, and then just scrolled down a building. Yeah. It, it, it was honestly, like, one of the worst things I've seen. Yeah, so it starts off with that guy, he's complaining, saying, I want to speak to the manager. So this guy, Dennis, he go, he's uh, kind of like the concierge clerk type thing. Um, he rings the bell, gets the manager out, Reginald Tarkington, which sounds like a Star Wars character. Well, only Probably because, because Tarkin. Yeah, Grand Moff Tarkin, which, you know, he could be related. Um so these actors, I've never seen any of them in anything else. The only one I recognized was Cloris Leachman. But this guy was Harvey Corman. That's the actor. And he says, "What's is there a problem with your room? The guy says, well, I haven't seen my room. Okay, fine. We'll uh, have these two concierges bring you up to your room. They both pick up his suitcase, walk in different directions. It explodes open. Panties fall out. And the guy grabs him real quick and starts sniffing him. <laughs> It's very, it, it was very Mel Brooks visual gaggy. It, it absolutely was. It, it, like, there are a few moments in this episode that feel very Mel Brooks. 
And then others that feel absolutely nothing like Mel Brooks. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like there are definitely highlights of this episode that are so strong. And then everything in between that is like something else. Yeah. So this is when Reginald and Dennis start walking. Uh, turns out that Reginald has to go meet with Edwina Nutt, the owner of this hotel called the Nut House. Which, not the best name for a hotel. <laughs> no, I mean, again, it just makes me think of Nut Shack. You know, I love the B-52s. Um, so, <laughs> so there's actually a few visual gags on the way to the office. Um, Reginald pulls out a flower of his lapel because it's something's wrong with it, but he doesn't like it. And he tells Dennis to grab him a flower. Dennis... Uh, just sees a cake, scoops up the frosting cake, throws it on Reginald's lapel. Reginald gets into the elevator, which is run by a semi-blind guy who wears Coke bottle glasses. And every time he takes them off, his eyes cross immediately, which, man, this guy's <laughs> this guy's got a talent for that. It, it's it's the same guy who played um the the blind man in Robin Hood Med and Tights. Yep, there's a lot there's there's a bit of crossover with various Mel Brooks properties in this. Yeah, it's like the the extended cast of Mel Brooks somehow found their way in here. The MBCEU, Mel Brooks Extended Universe. <laughs> yeah, do you think like uh all the Mel Brooks characters are going to come together and form an Avengers team? Oh man, you just got me some ideas for an episode pitch. <laughs> and like Ooh, I, yeah, now I have a good one, too. <laughs> so, on the way up in the elevator, the elevator, like, shirks and, like, stops immediately because, like I said before, it's a semi-blind guy running it. Reginald falls backwards, and the frosting that he got on his nose when he sniffed the flower earlier, he feels it, and he goes, oh, no, I'm bleeding because it's a red flower. So, visual gags galore. Then we get a random cutaway to Cloris Leachman's main character, Mrs. Frick, or sorry, Miss Frick, as she points out. Not Mrs. Um, she has a very thick German accent. And as Andy pointed out when we were watching this, it's very uncomfortable because she comes across very Nazi-like. And this whole show has a lot of Nazi theming in it. Classic Mel Brooks, by the way. <laughs> yeah, very Mel Brooks. But she starts freaking out because these maids are talking and she's very like authoritarian. And then Reginald gets off the elevator and she starts flirting with Reginald, takes her uh, pins out of her hair, lets her hair down. And this is where she points out because he says, Mrs. Frick. She goes, Ms. Frick. <laughs> they apparently fooled around at a New Year's Eve party one year and he doesn't want anything to do with her. But she's like, "Ooh, take me. <laughs> <laughs> then Reginald goes in to the office of Edwina Nutt, also pl played by Cloris Leachman. We yeah. do get some uh, parent trappy moments where they they both characters are in the same room at the same time, both played by Cloris Leachman. Yeah, but it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Like for some reason, whenever they shoot the old lady, she's in like horrible lighting. And it just well, looks like garbage. <laughs> I think that's the point. They want her to look like a ghost because she she looks like a 
like a Japanese geisha, like that white, that pale. <laughs> and her hair, her hair is absolutely like devoid of color. She looks like she's almost albino. She, she, it's, it's kind of weird because like you watch old shows with Cloris Leachman, like the Mary Tyler Moore show. And you're like, oh, okay. So she looks like that. And then you watch like, uh, current sitcoms. Like what, what was she on? Raising Hope. Raising Hope. Uh, she was yeah. amazing in that show. She's so good in that, but you know her as this like older woman. And so in 1989, this is a very strange time to like think about Cloris Leachman because I really have no point of reference. That's for... a good point because she's like old, but she's not old yet. She's yeah. not as old as she is now. Exactly. There, There's a kind of humor when she gets like really old. And this is a time when she's like not really old. And so it, it's kind of weird, but amazing. Like it. it it was so fun to watch her play this character. She's so goofy. I think it was her kind of like finding her voice as an older actress in comedy. Yeah, because, I, and I, I mentioned this too, uh, if you've ever seen Beer Fest, uh, she has that the, the character in that film, uh, she's like the grandmother in that, and it's basically that character, <laughs> but like very tame. Like, because the character in Beer Fest is... is uh, just, you know, winky face. Right. It almost feels like there are two old actresses that everybody knows of, Cloris Leachman and Betty White. And one, Betty White went like the Disney Channel route where she does like a lot of comedy, but it feels cleaner. Like it doesn't feel, it feels more like family friendly. And then Cloris Leachman just went Cartoon Network and was like, fuck it, I'm going to get weird. <laughs> I'm going to be on Ben 10. Right. Specifically Ben 10. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if she was on that show. Uh, you know, I don't want to look up her IMDb. In my head, she was on that show. Oh, don't do that because we will fall down a rabbit hole and never finish this episode. <laughs> well, I mean, let's just keep going. But in my head, she was in it. <laughs> she actually played the 10. Uh, She was Ghostface. Ghost... <laughs> Ghostface Killer from the Wu-Tang Clan? Ghost Freak or whatever. We don't need to get into Ben 10 lore. We... <laughs> <laughs> so this is when Edwina, we're introduced to her, like I said, played by Cloris Leachman. And she tries to do it. She goes, hold on, while we talk, I'm going to do my exercises. Picks up a jump rope, throws it over, it hits her foot, and she like steps over it. She does two of those and then goes, all right, I'm done. Here, Reginald, you exercise. So she makes him jump rope while she while he's telling her they're pretty much bankrupt. They're in the hole for half a million dollars. They have uh, faked books all over the place. And she goes, okay, well, we need to breathe or bring new blood into this hotel. I'm going to call my grandson, Charles Nutt Third, who it's revealed is kind of like this playboy type character. He quit his school after 20 minutes because he felt it was too taxing on him and he just uses his trust fund to kind of party and everything. So that's all done. And we cut to Texplex, which is yes. a hotel chain. The building is a giant skyscraper <laughs> with a cowboy hat on top, which was easily, definitely easily the funniest joke of the entire show. 
Absolutely, and it was very, very Mel Brooksy. Brooksian, yeah. Mel Brooksian, is that the term? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think you know David Foster Wallace uh, once quoted it as Brooksian, and I think uh, Bananas Foster once <laughs> showed up on Textplex. Hmm. And I think Apricot Wallace was also there. And I think Wallace Shawn was once in Princess Bride. Well, these are all true things, but we should... <laughs> so, we meet Big Jake. Um, he strolls on in. Imagine Doug Dimmodome from The Fairly Odd Parents, mm. but without the mustache and very mean. That's what this guy is. He comes in, puts his uh, boots up on the table, and the spurs kind of scratch up the table, and you see that it's been done before. There's a lot of scratches on the table. And this man basically just wants to buy out every hotel he can. And Shrike, who is his assistant, informs him, hey, uh, the nuthouse said no. And then we get this whole, like, who's on first type bit where Big Jake's just like, I don't like it when people tell me no. And you just said no. And then, no, I didn't. You just said it again. No, I didn't say no. You said it two more times. Blah, blah, blah. That whole thing. And he goes, nope. You know what? As punishment, you're going to get on the bull. And he's just like, oh, no. He makes him get on a mechanical bull in his in his boardroom. And he uh, ramps it up to 10. And Shrike goes through a door. Everything relating to the Texan character is amazing. Like 100%. He creates this reality that just, like, it's pure Mel Brooks. It doesn't make any sense at all. He basically took Blazing Saddles and brought it into a modern time. Yeah, but it, it's like Blazing Saddles, but it's also like the absurd humor of like uh, Spaceballs. Right. <laughs> it's just like absolute nonsense. So this is when we get back to the hotel and Charles Nutt arrives and he's got two Swedish ladies on his arms. They're twins, apparently. And uh, he goes, hey, I'm here. And this is when we thought the episode ended, because this is when the video ends. <laughs> and then we get our BB King McDonald's McChicken commercial. I love that, by the way. That was so bizarre. Honestly, the commercials were the best part of this. What was the one before that? There was so, a... so there was a TV guide commercial, and it's just like, look at this. It's the fresh new faces of fall TV. And we didn't <laughs> recognize a single one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... I, I mean, it dawns on me now that, like, when TV Guide was a thing, it was mostly featuring, like, soap opera stars and, like, daytime TV people. So, like, I didn't know a single person there at all. Yeah, it was very, ah, it was like they were trying to be like, hey, everybody, we're the next class of famous. <laughs> and then they all flunked out. And then, yeah, just B.B. King talking about the McChicken. To his guitar named Lucille. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, who had a subtitle. Like, yeah. The, they decided to name. The, the <laughs> okay. Yeah, but like I don't know. It it was amazing. All the commercials were just spectacular. Andy, this just gave me an idea for a new segment we're gonna do during our pitches. We're gonna pitch weird, bizarre commercials. I'm so excited because. I have a lot of ideas for commercials featuring the fucking so weird characters in the show. 
Okay. See, I'm thinking back to like the McDLT commercial with uh, Jason Alexander. And like commercials from this era were so weird, especially looking back at them now. So I feel like that's definitely, definitely something we're going to get into. But back to the show after we finally found part two. Um, we get to the office with Edwina Nutt and there's like this weird heartfelt moment between her and her grandson. There's like no jokes or anything in this scene. And he's basically like, I don't know what you want me to do. Your hotel is like in the shithole. And she's just like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's best it goes to rest. Just like its namesake. My, my dead husband did. And like, it's like, do, 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 like that scrubs music. Like, that kind of emotional music. <laughs> like, there's a solid five minutes of just pure emotion, no jokes. And then, once uh, Charles Nutt leaves the office, he runs into the elevator operator who goes, Oh, I got new glasses. Look, I see one of you, one of that door, and then the Swedish twins walk by. And he goes, and two of, the- two of them. And he takes off his glasses, and that's when his eyes immediately cross. And he's just like, oh, no. He goes off. <laughs> see... Here's the thing about the second part of this episode that, you know, Ed and I both noticed. Everything goes downhill. Like, characters start to fall apart. And people start having really stressful moments in their life. And I think it would just be better for everybody. Both the viewer, the characters in the show, the writers. If the episode just end, ended at the, the 20 minute mark. Right, the first half of this episode felt like a sitcom. The second half felt like a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, the second half sucked. It, it, it was like a Mel Brooks movie squished into an hour, and it was like the worst Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> right. And so this is when uh, Shrike comes in, who I keep thinking his name was Max, just because Max Shrike from the James Bond series, a.k.a. Christopher Walken. Leave him alone. You know what? You're right. He's suffered enough. Yeah. He, hey, don't talk about him that way, all right? Alrighty, I won't. Let's keep going. So Shrike pulls in uh, Charles Nutt like, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to give you this half a billion or half a million dollars. Sorry, this is 1989. A billion dollars doesn't exist at this point. Um, <laughs> he says half a million dollars. Uh, there's a like a half joke where he goes, have you ever seen half a million dollars before or half a yeah, what well, was it? Five hundred thousand? I think so. He goes, "Have you ever seen half a million dollars before?" And he goes, <laughs> "Yeah." Was he? Hang on. Was he naked at that point? No, he wasn't. He was just wearing his neck brace because he injured his neck from the bull. Oh right, right, right. So he's he's like, this is where he gets into his hole. Listen, you think of me as like this Nazi type person, but I'm not. I'm a man. I have a family. I have one <laughs> kid, a second kid, and the third strike is on the way. Because Third Reich, Third Shrike. Ha <laughs> ha. Very Mel Brooks. Yeah. Winky, so, winky. <laughs> so as Charles is about to leave, he goes, okay, well, you don't want the money, but like, do you want to at least share this bottle of expensive champagne? He goes, okay, fine. Next morning, it turns out he signed over the rights to the hotel when he was drunk. And Big Jake is going to come later that day. So... He kind of goes into the hotel room that uh, Shrike is staying in saying, hey, you tricked me and you can't prove that I said any of that stuff. He goes, oh, but I can. He pulls out a tape recorder, which, by the way, is in violation of wiretap laws. 
Um, but to bring it's some okay. yeah, some realism into the sitcom. Hey, you, Shrike, you did a bad thing. Yeah, and you deserve to go to TV jail. Yeah. So in this scene, Shrike is wearing a white V-neck and a towel. And pretty much the rest of the show, he's just wearing a towel. See, that's why I thought he was naked in that other scene, because his balls are just basically in the episode with him. They are. They should they be a feature. Credit. Yeah. <laughs> featuring uh, this guy's balls. Yeah. Featuring John Delancey. Yeah. The guy who played Q on Star Trek Next Generation's balls. So he's like, listen, like, I have proof of you saying this. There's no way that you're going to get away with the fact that you lied saying you have 600 guests. And Charles leaves. He's super sad. And he knocks on the door of Dennis, the kind of concierge dude, who has the Swedish twins in his room with him. And he's like, hey, um, so don't tell Reginald that I speak Swedish and several other languages and that I'm having sex with these two Swedish twins. And and we know they're Swedish because they're wearing uh, T-shirts with the Swedish flag on them. Which, by the way, this episode happens over two or three days. They wear the same thing every time we see them. Oh, yeah. And by the way, all Swedish people wear that same shirt. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> this is something that's revealed in the episode. They got there uh, two days early before the rest of their family vacation of 600 people showed up which is when charles gets the idea hey i'm gonna go to the airport and comp all these people these rooms so that way we don't get you know our hotel taken away and they're all wearing the same goddamn thing yep and as they come in uh it's a small world is playing and uh i have a theory i'm gonna get into in a second but um (laughs) So Shrike before I can't wait to hear whatever that is. So Big Jake, as he's getting there, Shrike, his uh clothes were stolen by the maids. So he just grabs whatever he finds on a rack, turns out to be a dress. Uh he comes down in the wacky elevator that's like jumping up and down. And surprisingly, Big Jake is very accepting of this, because he makes a joke saying, If you're gonna reveal this, why couldn't you wait till the company picnic? And that kind of surprised me because, you know, this Southern dude in the 1980s, he's he's surprisingly accepting of uh, his assistant kind of dressing in women's clothing. And that just gave me hope for the future. Yeah, it was honestly inspiring. If if Doug Demidum can accept him, why can't you? Hey, America, open your heart already. Have you seen this? The Nah House? Have you seen it? And open your hotel doors. Open your hotel doors and let Mel Brooks in already. <laughs> he, he has a room inside of you. Let him in. So Big Jake is all like pissed off because he can't get the hotel. And that is basically the end of the episode. They all get onto the elevator, which <laughs> the elevator doors are open. It's completely dark. I thought they were going to walk in and just fall down the shaft. <laughs> They're standing in there. They finally realize after about 30 seconds of standing there that there's no elevator. And then we hear going up and the elevator starts to rise. They're on the fucking roof of the elevator. <laughs> yeah, they, they basically die. Basically. They uh, go so, to hell. So my theory, um, in the beginning of this episode, there's clocks on the wall. And in very Mel Brooks goof, uh, it says New York, Hong Kong, 
And then there's one with Mickey Mouse and his hands are like pointing to the time and it says Disneyland. <laughs> that coupled with the fact that this hotel is basically the ter- Tower of Terror ride and the fact that It's a Small World starts playing. My theory is that this is just a very, very immersive ride in Disneyland. And Damn. nobody else is aware. It's almost like Westworld, but these people don't know. Damn. Yeah. Wow. And it makes sense, you know, Mel Brooks is all up on that Western uh Western comedy. Wow, yeah. I think um I think he Yeah, I think I think I want to live in a world where that's true. And it makes sense too, because those Swedish twins, they just show up and they're like, Hey, Dennis, I want you. And because he's a robot, he's gotta comply. And then, you know, eventually throughout the series, he's going to gain self-awareness. I'm, th- I'm thinking you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm into this. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> what else do you have? Um, that was about it. Um, we're going to take a quick little break. And once we get back, we'll be here with our pitches. Hi, I'm Drew. I'm Nate. And I'm Tanner, and we are the hosts of Headline Heroes. Every week we take a bizarre, out there article. Germans build underground pipeline for beer. An attempt to create a superhero or villain. The obvious one is that they have a giant robot that runs off of beer. Along the way, we discuss powers, design a costume, and of course, struggle with a name. Graham Graham Sam Sam? No, no. Graham Graham Sam Sam? No! And inevitably, we get off subject and talk about the really important stuff. I did go to Bill Engvall's website and i just want to tell you a couple of things i'm seeing here. please do i wish you would but we always arrive with the super creation we are proud of join headline heroes every tuesday as we try to make reality a little more super all right andy had the show continued what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen okay well very much in the style of over the top i think the next episode in the show the Bill Bixby episode, of course, should just be the pilot again. <laughs> but slightly but, different. Yeah. Let's change the nuthouse. Take us somewhere like wild. Like, I don't know. Take us to the desert already. Like, where's a sitcom in the desert? Hmm. Here it is. The nuthouse. Um, the next actually- episode. Sex in the City 2 kind of takes place in the desert. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to wag my finger at Sarah Jessica Parker and her dirty little friends there. And I'm well, going to say, and I'm going to say SMH, lady. You can wag your figure all you want. This is an audio medium. She can't see it. You can smell me. And if you can't, if you can't smell me, I'm going to call your husband. <laughs> And I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell him I'm gonna tell him what you did, and I'm gonna say, "Hey, we still haven't forgiven you for <laughs> killing those people in that car accident." <laughs> Jesus Christ! I had a feeling yeah. that's the route you're gonna go. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But anyways, yeah, I think the next episode would have to take place in the desert. I think Cloris Leachman should play a completely different character. You know, let's play into some of her different talents. So you're thinking every episode she plays both Miss Frick and a random character. Exactly. I love that idea. You know, she has her connection to the Nuthouse. You know, the Nuthouse is this teleporting uh, entity that just shifts around the uh, the globe. So what if 
What if they're opening a new branch of the Nut House in Dubai? Ooh, I kind of love this. Okay. And that's how that's how we get them into the desert. Mm. But here's yes. the thing. So they think it's going to be like in like Dubai proper, but it's actually in the desert surrounding Dubai. That's why they got it so cheap. <laughs> yes, yes. And they're going to call it the Dusty Nut. Mm. Mm. <laughs> or the Sandy Nut. The Sandy Nut, too. You know, I, I think... I- I think I'd be kind of scared if I took Mel Brooks into the Middle East. Joe, yep. Actually, you're right. Um, I don't think we should take him there. (laughs) So they open a new branch in Arizona. Yep. (laughs) Good old USA. Um, And yeah, I think Cloris Leachman should just play like different characters in future episodes. I think that uh, she's just a very talented comedic actress and like, uh, I don't know where the show went with her range, but I think you can see in this first episode, she definitely like was had a full comedic uh, like palette to play with in the show. She absolutely did. And this would give her a lot more range to kind of play around with. Yeah, uh, honestly, I just want more Cloris Leachman. And I know she's like getting up there, but, you know. Kick some ass, Cloris. I want more of you. And not just on TV. Wink. Yeah, I want you uh, in my pool, mm-hmm. for example. I just want to watch you swim around, and I want to pull the ladder out like you're you're in The Sims, and I want to <laughs> see what I want to see what you do. So, I was thinking back to uh, the Mel Brooks extended universe. What if we had? Rick Moranis show up. This was like prime Rick Moranis time, 1989. True. Uh, I think this was right around when Honey, I Shrunk the Kids came out. Yep. So like that could be, you know, maybe bring him in. He doesn't have to play a Mel Brooks character. He doesn't have to be Darth Helmet again, but he's just some nerdy guy. He could be Wayne Zielinski. Maybe it's a crossover with uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, a little cross promotion. Could he be um, one of the McKenzie brothers from a... Uh, strange brew. Um, I don't know what that is. Okay, is that the thing with um, John Candy? Um, I don't know. Let's just continue. All right. So maybe he's just some <laughs> Canadian investor. Maybe he's a disgusting fat slob who shouldn't be there. Hey, hey, Andy, go fuck yourself! Don't you dare sully the good name of Rick Moranis. I'm sorry. I, sometimes I'm taking... I, just get, I get angry that he's not still, you know, with us. Well, you know what? He took time to raise his kids and he is an honorable man. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. Continue. I, I want to know what, what <laughs> this what this man does. You don't want me to scold you more about shitting on my favorite man, Rick Moranis? I don't want you to ye- yell at me. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> Continue. So he's going to be like a Canadian investor. He wants to open up a Canadian branch of the nut house. Um, what should we call it? The mounted nut? Like the, like Mounties and stuff is kind of the theme. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. So he's trying to like get a feel for the actual nut house first. So I feel like after the first seasons when they decide they're going to franchise this hotel out, you know, first season's going to be about them kind of rebuilding and making a name for themselves. Mm. And then season two will be, oh, now we have all these opportunities we can explore. So this would clearly be season two. I like it. Along with the uh, Arizona episode in the desert. 
Oh, right, right. Of course, of course. So How could we forget. Of course, you know? can't forget that. Uh, so he's, you know, there to get a feel for it. And they're like, you know what? We got to make him feel at home. And this is where we get a lot of like Mel Brooks Canadian type humor. He's going to be like parodying, parodying like Dudley Do-Right's going to show up at some point. Like somebody's mm. going to come up backwards on a horse wearing a Mountie outfit. And and I think we can all agree this is safer. Yeah, 100%. So this is this is a safe place for Mel Brooks to be making jokes. Absolutely. Like he's friends with Rick Moranis. Canadian jokes are fine. Yeah. So essentially he's going to... He's going to be like, wow, this place is already kind of like a Canadian place. Maybe I want to make an American version. And at the very end, he just decides to make an American version that ends up looking exactly like the Nuthouse in New York. And they're just pissed off. (laughs) And does this also cross over with Sex and the City? Um, It does, because at the very end, uh, Rick Moranis is going to go. So our first guest is about to show up. Um, She's a real Miranda. And Miranda from Sex and the City shows up. <laughs> Actually, no. Here's how it's going to cross over with Sex and the City. The uh, horse that Dudley Durek comes in on, that's Sarah Jessica Parker. Wow. Yeah. I went there. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're, we are here now. You've created this reality, and I, I think we should just walk out of it. Take you know my what? hand. I'm going to live in this reality because you know what? I'm not afraid to say it. I don't think Sarah Jessica Parker is very attractive. Only thing I found her attractive in? Hocus Pocus. That's interesting. Listen, I'm a weird man. Hmm. I liked her in Dudley Do Right. Oh, as the horse? (laughs) No, she's actually in Dudley Do Right. Is she really? Yeah, she's in the movie. She is not. Yes, she is. Look it up. I'm looking this up. She's in the movie. I need to check this out because this is an amazing coincidence. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, she's in the movie with <laughs> Brandon Frazier. And Alfred Molina's in this movie. Yep. He plays uh, the bad guy. Wow, this just... Holy fucking shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a deep cut. I know. What are the chances? I don't know. I, I I mean, the minute we went into Canada, if you bring her up, you know. It just finds its way back. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any other ideas for... Actually, you know what? We're going to try that segment. What kind of commercials do you think we would have seen airing during this show? Well, I think very much in the vein of celebrities being in commercials. Uh, and, and also... Uh, Something that was popular around this time, and if you look it up, you can find them. Uh, There are video game, like, store, like, training videos. Like, Nintendo used to have stores in the mall that they would repair uh, SNESs at. And there were training videos for Nintendo employees about how to repair machines and how to talk about Nintendo warranties and um, Nintendo power and and all that. Uh, and, And they're very funny to watch. And so I would love if a celebrity did one of those, like, uh, I don't know, like a Gary Coleman, maybe. (laughs) I want to see Gary Coleman fix a Nintendo for me. <laughs> I want to see Gary Coleman. I want to see him fix a Nintendo for for Wilson. 
And I want to say, I want to see him say, hey, Mr. Wilson, what you nintendo <laughs> And he gives him a nin- Ninten- Nintendo boy. It was smaller because uh, Gary, Gary Wilson, <laughs> Gary Wilson can only fix Nintendo boys. And you want him to have some Nintatitude. Mm-hmm. That's attitude with Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening, uh, if you use the code unaired, you can subscribe to Nintendo Power today. That's true. Nintendopower.com slash unaired <laughs> slash forward slash Dudley do wrong question mark. Uh, so do you think I that hope could... you I hope you buy that? I don't think Nintendo Power. I think it's owned already. I don't think I can do that. We'll see. We'll see. All right. I've already bought a domain name. I've bought several domain names for this show before. <laughs> the main one being fakebuds.com. Um, so Ooh, that's a good one. Do you think that could actually be implemented into an episode? They're trying to make like a commercial for the Nuthouse and they get Gary Coleman to act in it. I think that's completely possible because right now I am staring at Greg Henry's IMDb. <laughs> And he was in an episode of The Nut House. So, you know, I'm not saying Greg Henry and Gary Coleman are the same person, but if you could believe it, it could be true. Um, I don't know who that is, so I can honestly say I've never seen them both in the same place at the same time. So you can only agree with me. I, I can't disprove your statement. It can only be true. I feel like uh, just because we're so stupid, I feel like we'd put a lot of nut humor in this. Let me rephrase that. Just because I'm so stupid, I've put a lot of nut humor in this. <laughs> I um I haven't been as intentional about it. Yeah, I have. So, um, the Tooch is Loose, a famous segment from this show. <laughs> um, we've been doing oh, it boy. for almost fifty episodes. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to overdo it. So, the Tooch is going on a break. He's taking a little vacation, mm. a sabbatical, and mm. uh, I'm debuting a new segment similar to the Tooch is Loose. It is, why in the world isn't Wallace Shawn on this show? So I want oh you to pitch, I want you to pitch an episode with Wallace Shawn. <laughs> uh, did you know I met Wallace Shawn? Did you really? Because this is like a Sarah Jessica Parker and Dudley Do-Right situation all over again. <laughs> Yeah, I met Wallace Shawn. Uh, it was really weird. Please tell me um, he was nice. Oh, yeah, he's very nice. Okay, good. You know, he's a shifty guy. So, Andy, how would you put this shifty man in this show? <laughs> well, let's see. It's 1989. We're probably around the Princess Bride era. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I, we'd have to play to his comedic talent. Because that's all he does, basically. Mm-hmm. He's played this caricature of himself. I'd want him to play like a traveling salesman who maybe uh, seduces Cloris Leachman. I'm in love with this pitch so far. I kind of love the idea of Cloris Leachman hooking up with Balashan. Maybe that's how the episode ends. Like she's kind of turning him down. And then she goes after him. He turns her down. It's like a cat and mouse game. And then at the very end of the episode... They both walk out of a hotel room. I want the last shot of this episode to be them in bed together. And like, oh, I got an idea. So 
The man is famously bald, but he's going to wear a hairpiece during this whole episode. Um, a very obvious hairpiece. There's going to be a few jokes about it. And, like, he's going to hand her a cigarette after they have sex, and she's going to hand him his hairpiece to put back on. I love it. And then she's going to hand him an even tinier hairpiece that he's going to reach under the covers. I was just thinking the same thing, but he was going to give that to her. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Man, that could be a good episode. Wallace Shawn as a traveling salesman. What is he going to sell? I kind of want a Wallace Shawn sitcom now. We could do it. Okay, so we were talking about this while this this, uh, episode was on. We would have loved if there was a spinoff for Texplex following Big Jake Mm. and his company. So, yeah, because it's so funny. It's like classic Mel Brooks. It, it's just this like caricature of like this disgusting human being. And it's just so funny to watch. Which I think this could have worked. So like maybe it's Big Jake coming up like it's it's a prequel almost. And like there's going to be a little bit of crossover with the Nut House where it's like supposed to be taking place like maybe like 20, 30 years <laughs> beforehand. And Edwina Nutt is still going to look exactly the same. So you're pitching like a, a Better Call Saul version of uh, the, this this Tex, Tex fella. Yeah, exactly. And like maybe every episode he has a different assistant and like maybe he has like a trap door or something. And every time one of them does something wrong, he gets rid of them in some way and a new one immediately shows up. Like that's a recurring bit. <laughs> I kind of love it. And yeah, it's just him trying to take on the hotel industry. We might just make it after all. Exactly. <laughs> Andy, I need to tell you, I still have Dudley Do-Right's Wikipedia page up on my screen, and I cannot stop looking at it. <laughs> can you tell me who directed it? Uh, yes, I surely can. It was directed by Hugh Wilson. Yep, I have no idea who that is. I don't either. He also wrote the, sque- the screenplay. The screenplay. The screenplay. He wrote the screenplay. <laughs> uh, what did he write? What he wrote? Uh, Dudley Do Right. He Dudley Do wrote it. Ha ha. So I wow. think that's gonna do it for this episode. Um. Oh my God. He uh. He directed Police Academy. I thought you were gonna say, Oh my God, he's dead. Coincidentally, Police Academy has Kim Cattrall also in Sex in the City, <laughs> along with Sarah Jessica Parker. Coincidentally, I'm related to Kim Cattrall. No, you're not. Yeah, no, I'm not at all. Your only other celebrity running I know of is with uh, What's-Her-Face, Stifler's mom. Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. That's another... Maybe some, yeah, maybe someday we'll... <laughs> yeah, that's another story for another episode. Joey, when we watch Joey. <laughs> yeah, w- you know what? We will watch Joey at some point. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we could. Even though it'll, it did air two seasons, it's my show. I can break the rules when I want. So that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Thanks to everybody who kind of stuck around during the hiatus. And welcome to anybody new who discovered the show during the hiatus. Uh, The show's not canceled. Surprise. Um, But yeah, if you want to find us, we're Unaired Podcast on all of our social media or at Unaired Podcast. Um, Check out fakebuds.com to get to our website. Also, uh, unairedpodcast.com. You know, all that fun jazz. Um, another thing I wanted to announce, uh, the audio drama that I started last year that only made a pilot, that's coming back. I am working on finishing up the scripts for that. Uh, some stuff's going to be different, some different actors, 
but it's going to be the same thing. We're going to re-release the pilot episode once it's all done. It's going to have the new actors and everything. Maybe some new lines. Who knows? But yeah, that's coming back soon. Uh, firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby, we're back. Woo! So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Ed. And I'm Andy. And as always, some things are better left unaired. Bye. wonder what would happen if you had a robot select three random elements and then gave those elements to pretend entrepreneurs and then those pretend entrepreneurs use those things to inspire amazing pitches hi i'm derek host of the wild pitch and i'll tell you what would happen you get an absurdist shark tank style show called the wild pitch new episodes every wednesday on apple podcast stitcher podbean wherever podcasts are found